Good evening, everyone. In our first reading from Kings, it is a story for us about discipleship. Remember, in the Old Testament, as with Jesus, he had disciples, and the prophet had would have a disciple or a rabbi would. In this case, we're talking about Elijah. So it's about discipleship and about dedication to that and fidelity, but also about choice. Uh, there was a decision that had to be made. In our reading from the Galatians, St. Paul uh, is telling us despite the Galatians' union with Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, they still must struggle against um, the ways of their times. Uh, and that is what he meant by flesh. He wasn't talking about the other thing. Uh, he was talking about the ways of the world. And, uh, and he had a, a quite sharp thing. He said, stop cons- you know, devouring each other with your ways and your words and your hostility and your anger. In our gospel, Jesus rejects retaliation and expects wholehearted commitment from his disciples, just as Elijah expected of Elisha. So my friends, um, the scriptures then of this 13th Sunday in ordinary time uh, have these themes that I just talked about, the cost of discipleship, Following the Lord, no matter what. Uh, it has a theme of uh, tolerance and non-retaliation. It also has a theme of removing obstacles from our faith journey. That's what that final piece in the gospel, the, the three little stories that Jesus is telling them on the path. Um, this last mention, removing obstacles, is something our Lord had in mind when he invited people to be his disciples. He expected them to remove from their lives whatever stood in the way of them following him wholeheartedly. His puzzling statement, let the dead bury their dead, uh, did not mean that he was opposed to the burial of loved ones. Uh, In one sense, his declaration means that those who reject him are like dead people since they have rejected the Lord of life. But it was also Jesus' way of saying that we must choose. We must decide that nothing can be more important than loyalty to him. Our first reading describes an episode from the Old Testament in which a man had to make a decision. He had a choice to make. Elijah's cloak was a symbol of the prophetic office that would be put upon Elisha, should he choose. When he threw it over Elisha, he was inviting Elisha to succeed him as the prophet of Israel. Elisha seemed to hesitate for a moment. Uh, he thought of his parents. What should he do? What is my choice here? His freedom allowed him to make his own decision. A strong resolution burned within his heart. We are told he slaughtered his oxen and burned his plowing equipment. And This really meant that he gave up his means of livelihood, and uh, it was more than symbolism. Uh, It meant that he would not look back anymore. Uh, He could not go back. But he does a great act of hospitality. We are told he feeds the people, meaning his people, uh, in a farewell to them and left to follow Elijah as his disciple, and then ultimately to replace him as the prophet of Israel. 
Marin's, uh, in a way, uh, if you will, uh, Elisha burned his bridges. <laughs> and now when we say that, we, it means a bad thing. Uh, but in this case, it was a good thing because that means he could not return to what was. Jesus invites us to do the same, to follow him with dedication and fidelity and unreservedly. And my friends, just a quick note about those three little stories of discipleship that Jesus told about, and to this one he said, and to that one he said, um, note that the choices or wasn't between good and evil. The choice was between good and that which was better, particularly in that moment. And uh, most people overlook that. They don't see that, but that's really what's there. And uh, so, my friends, uh, at baptism, uh, the priest uh, acts on behalf of Christ uh, in baptism to baptize. And so, at baptism, uh, for you who have forgotten, there was a white garment placed upon you. It was a symbol uh, that you were to be a new person, or if you will, I'll put it in the plural, we are to be a new people with a new life and a new calling and a life of true freedom. Jesus wants all of us to be free of the obstacles to discipleship with him. But my friends, as uh, I think you all know, freedom is an often very complex reality. It is said that we live in a free society, but of late we witness and must endure the abuse of freedom. Our society has canonized, or as one elected official put on Friday, as I watched her, has enshrined the phrase freedom of choice. That phrase is used to justify, on a very broad scale really, some of the most wicked ideas and actions in human society. To say that freedom of choice is the most fundamental of all human rights is inaccurate and it is wrong. That is not the most fundamental of human rights. And it certainly is not the one that, for us Christians, that Jesus puts forth. That is not his idea of what freedom of choice would be. The kind of freedom that Jesus gives us is for the sake of love. Jesus does not force you or I to become his disciples. He does not force you or I to be devoted to him. He does not force us to love him above everything. He gives you and I the freedom to choose because love which is forced is not love at all. Faithful to the in, this intention of Jesus, St. Paul, who teaches us that we have been called to live in freedom, but not a freedom that gives free reign to the flesh, meaning to errant ways. This free reign is Paul will develop, he will say it is actually a form of slavery. So my friends, with our freedom of choice, if we are addicted to drugs, if we uh, adhere to strange notions of relationships, which I've been reading about and I do not fully understand, uh, I suppose I'm ignorant, um, but these relationships are very different and strange, both on the emotional level and on the physical aspect of them, uh, to have freedom of avarice and violence and to hate, we are not free. 
And my friends, these are grave matters, but they also apply to things that are not so grave. When we allow the habit of gossip, and this is what St. Paul was getting at, with the devouring of each other, the vice of arrogance, a spirit of self-centeredness and selfishness to rule us, we have, in effect, abused our freedom. Wickedness and sin is a slavery, and it is opposite of freedom. My friends, in one of the Eucharistic acclamations of the Mass, typically we use during Lent, we acknowledge that Jesus paid a great price for our freedom. In that acclamation we call the memorial, we say, Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Jesus freed us from sin so that of our own free will, of our own choice, we may love him unreservedly. And to truly care and love with charity of heart other people. This is how he connected those uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So my friends, I just want to take a note about freedom of religion. And soon I will speak about freedom of speech. A note about freedom of religion. Not part of the idea of freedom of religion is to cause harm to somebody or to enact a war with other Christian denominations or to bring war against another religion. As I recall in history, some very religious people have done truly wicked things in the name of God. And that is blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. Let us not delude ourselves, as some religious, religious leaders did and other people have done, to do wicked things in God's name is wicked. I have trying to understand why some people hate and hate so viciously in the name of God, who is the father of all people, all people whether they love him or not. God loves them. Is it because they are not really religious? Is it because they do not really know God or have true ignorance of the ways of our Lord? Or are they just emotionally and psychologically incapable of understanding and truly loving that way? Or perhaps it is because they have chosen to use religion for wicked political and military reasons. Such hatred and anger and retaliation harm us more than they could possibly harm those who are the object of such anger and hatred and violence. Jesus took those things to the cross a long time ago. And we Christians need to leave it there on that cross. Such things are poison to you and I. Such things are poison to the Christian faith. And certainly those things are disappointing to our Lord. Are you sure, Father? Yes. 
because it was in the gospel we just heard. The very first part of it. The hatred of the Samaritans, the lack of hospitality. Earlier today, I was wondering, what disappointed Jesus more? The hatred of the Samaritans? Or that his best friends wanted vengeance by calling fire down from heaven because they would not show them hospitality. In effect, they were saying, any enemy of me is an enemy of God. And Jesus rebuked them. I wonder which one was more disappointing to him. Absolutely and for sure, and certainly, these things of hatred and deep-seated anger and violence and retaliation are disappointing to our Lord now, even as they were when he walked on this earth with his disciples by today's gospel account. Friends, in the coming weeks, I will make my personal comments about freedom of speech, because I can. That's what freedom of speech is all about. <laughs> so, my friends, um, whether you want to hear it or not, I'm going to read the statement from the bishops of Washington State regarding the events of the Supreme Court. Respecting the dignity of every human life from conception to natural death is a core tenet of our Catholic faith. This conviction compels us to seek justice and advocate for the vulnerable, the voiceless, and the afflicted. Upholding the dignity of every human person drives us to care for the poor, to welcome immigrants, to seek racial and social justice, and to oppose abortion. We commend the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade and give individual states the opportunity to enact laws that respect life. We welcome this opportunity to reduce the number of abortions in the United States and build a culture of life. Due to laws passed prior to Roe, abortion remains legal in Washington state, regardless of the legal status of abortion the church's call to respect life remains unchanged. We must continue not only to speak out against abortion, but also to care for mothers who face unplanned and challenging, perhaps, pregnancies. As mothers and families choose life under difficult circumstances, we are called to accompany them on their journey and to do all we can to support them and their children. Advocating for life does not end with the birth of a child. Respecting the dignity of every human person means ensuring that families' basic needs are met and that they are given the opportunity to thrive. At this time, we invite all Catholic parishes, institutions, organizations, and individuals to redouble efforts to accompany women and couples confronted with unexpected or difficult pregnancies. Many Catholic programs throughout the state provide assistance, accompaniment, 
and mentorship to vulnerable families as they nurture their children from pregnancy through early childhood. Now is the time for the faithful to offer a viable alternative to abortion by increasing efforts to serve families in need. Much work remains to build a culture of life in our state. Through the Washington State Catholic Conference, we will continue to advocate for public policies that support life and help struggling families thrive. They go on, please join us in advocating for the common good. And finally, we invite you to pray with us that all will one day recognize that every human life is sacred and deserving of reverence, protection, and assistance in times of need. This is signed by the Most Reverend Paul Achen, Archbishop of Seattle, Most Reverend Eusebio Lazando, Auxiliary Bishop of Seattle, and Most Reverend Frank Schuster, Auxiliary Bishop of Seattle, Most Reverend Joseph J. Tyson, Bishop of Yakima, and the Most Reverend Thomas A. Daly, Bishop of Spokane. My friends, I believe that was a very well-written letter from the bishops. On Friday, uh, someone said, Father, why are you not happy or celebrating? I am celebrating. We have a victory. But it is not the way I wanted the victory to go or to come to us. What I wanted, what I had hoped for, was a nation of people would recognize the destruction of life and say, no more, no more. What we got was a victory from the court on a legal technicality. The 73, 1973 decision was incorrect. And so now we have corrected it. It is a victory. It is. But it is not the way that I really wanted it to come packaged. I really wanted it and hope that the people of this country would understand. Because when that happens, then society changes. Then society changes. And then, as you know with me, what pro-life is, it is everything from the unborn to our elderly, because they are not treated right either. And when we have that culture, our young people will be filled with hope and stop killing themselves. That's why it is so important to me that the victory should come that way. But it will be in God's time. It is always his time. And I will remain faithful to him and to his church. So I do celebrate. I just wish, hoped, it would have came about different, in a different way. That's all, brothers and sisters, that's all.